Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And welcome to episode 80, is that right? 80? I think it, 90? 80. It's, epi- it's season 8, episode 10. Yeah. 80. Episode 80. Amazing. You know what the best part is? We're now high enough in the numbers where we can confuse 80 and 90. Mm. You know, when we hit yeah. episode 10 or episode 20, you don't mistake <laughs> that for an episode right. 10 episodes up or down. So, yeah. Um, for those who missed it last week, we... we uh, set up some parameters for this week uh as we do for every finale uh we like to do a little bit of a deck building exercise and this deck this week because we uh have fully gone through uh this year's standard rotation we didn't do our 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 episode like we did last year where we look at some of the cards there's so many that are rotating at a standard so we decided to make decks out of them (laughs) So our uh, our uh, restrictions for these decks are starting with call time, ending with AFR, AFC. So like the Adventures in Forgotten Realm commander yes. decks are the last part. The beginning part are coma- uh, call time and call-, call time commander decks. Um, so we wanted to choose any standard legal set and any commander decks, not including commander legends. And I don't think either of us chose any cards in uh like the double masters type stuff no no we i stayed just with those those particular ones it's interesting because we took what used to be the brawl restriction of of a standard format and built a deck but then we decided well no we're commander so we should include all the commander cards for sure and make a whole command make an entire commander deck so um do you know how hard that is to do without you know your soul rings your oh i do uh, now because um i mean for the most part most of these cards are first printed in these four or or, i'm gonna just call them four sets because it was the standard set and their commander product uh counterpart um and yeah wow i think you know uh there's probably like one or two cards here or there and you know what that's fine um so uh what what was your experience like with this Uh, my experience was when we were talking about this and we were like okay so we should use any card in those commander decks and i said well that doesn't seem fair because you know then then we get act you know then we're getting access to soul soul ring and arcane signet and essentially pre-built decks i mean in theory if that's the way we're going to do it we could just take one of the pre-cons and say, hey, look, it's my deck. And I didn't want to do that. So I thought, you know, let's just stay with the cards within this this time this time parameter. And uh, wow, that was way harder than I thought. If I, had, <laughs> if I had realized how difficult that was going to be, I would never have made that suggestion. Uh, this, was, this was easily one of the most difficult decks to build. Um, just because you're constantly trying to keep track of what cards you're allowed to put in it. And you're also trying to get, uh, you know, the basics, the stuff that you need. Um, yeah. Any know. fixing, any ramp, uh, you know, it, trying to use what's there is sometimes difficult if you, those colors aren't known for that thing. I mean, I know... Right. Uh, I may, I may spoil it a bit. I know that you had originally gone with Essica and the... 
Rainbow Bridge, is that what it's called? Yes. Something? Yeah. Uh, and I, I knew that that was going to be difficult in general. And it's so easy, too, when you think about, you know, standard legal, uh, to think about ramp and stuff, because, like, they need to build that into the format. But if you're taking, I mean, literally a third of, uh, or even a half of standard, uh, you might not get it in the colors you need. Right, and I kept looking at, uh, part of the reason I decided not to go with Esco, on top of the fact that I, I knew this was going to be very difficult, because obviously it's five colors. Yeah. The problem is, is that you want to run, you want to run the prismatic bridge, or you want to play that out before you're playing Essica. Because right, I, because I don't want to have to pay seven. So I don't want to pay Wooberg and then two more to get the br- to get the bridge out. I want that to come first. But the best way to do that is to have Essica out first. So then I started looking yeah. at this, going, okay, well, is there a way that I can copy Essica? And I'm like. No, this is just going to be insane. And then I'm like, okay, now let's look at all the legend, all of the legendary creatures, because there's no color restriction on this anymore. I'm just like, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. And on top of that, yeah. I just didn't think this was going to be that. I didn't even think it was the deck was just going to be the very good, because I started looking at this and thinking, my entire deck is going to revolve around this plan. And if the legendary creatures that I'm finding aren't, you know, explosive gangbusters then it's just kind of dull. So so I audibled out and went with something <laughs> else. So Yeah, it's definitely tough when, like, you... Because, I mean, obviously, Essica would be great in, like, a 60-card deck where you can have multiple copies. You can have Essica out and then the Prismatic Bridge both on the battlefield at the same time. But when it's on the same card, what do you do? Uh, but I think, uh, it, regardless... Neither of us went with Eska because of these these tight restrictions. Right. Uh, and even so, like, I'm fairly happy with my deck, but uh, as as we'll all see uh, soon, um, I think of mine more as, like a, like, a first draft. I think that it could hold itself for a couple games here and there, but I think, if anything, it could be honed even to my standard of unoptimized jank right um this was for me this was a a deck building exercise with a limited card pool like i rarely ever do um and mm. so it it really brought me back to early magic when i you know when i was building decks with the cards that i had and that was the limited card pool and so you would put the deck together using as best you could with what you had and for the most part it was kind of jank but it was you know that's what I was doing, and that's what I see here as well with uh, with my deck as well. Um, I think I'm with you. It feels like a first draft, but it was nice to go through and actually get a to take a more careful look at a lot of cards that normally I would just pass over because you yeah, know, I've got the staples. My my <laughs> ramp package is going to be similar from one deck to the next, especially right. in a particular color. Whereas this time around. Obviously, the ramp package is different because I'm only using cards from those uh, from those two years. Yeah, so uh, I guess for me, a little difficult. Uh, you know, there were some cards that I ended up having to just kind of throw in there because uh, they fit. I guess um, I'll I'll start and we'll we'll take it from there. So my deck uh, revolved around Carter the Doom Scourge, 
which was a deck that I have wanted to build since I saw the card uh, originally previewed. And it it made me really excited to like come back to it now and be like, oh, like I want to build a goad deck. It's going to be so cool with all these goad things out. Uh, and before I get to that, I'm going to read the card. It's uh, red, black, and two. So four mana for a four, three legendary creature, Demon Berserker. When Carter Doomscourge uh, enters the battlefield, until your next turn, creatures your opponents control attack each combat if able and attack a player other than you if able. So when it enters the battlefield, uh, the creatures that are on the battlefield that are your opponents are goaded, essentially. Right. Uh, and whenever an attacking creature dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So the idea behind the deck is to goad things and let them die. Let them kill each other. Um, so, Or at least so I thought. So Andy, yeah, I will say, when you, met, when you talked about, when you told me you were building with Carter, I was a little surprised because you picked an uncommon as opposed to any of the rares or the mythics you could have picked. <laughs> um, I do love those uncommon commanders. Right. And all I saw with this was, oh, too bad Eldrazi Displacer isn't in this bunch. Because the idea <laughs> of being able to blink him every turn, I mean, sure, you can't attack with yeah. him, but you're getting that ability where all of your opponents are swinging elsewhere over and over again. And I'm just like, wow. But yeah, that was the first place that, that was one of the f two first places that my mind went was <laughs> one. Let's go to as many things as possible. Mm -hmm. Cause I knew that there were a lot of goad cards coming out in the past two years. Thing I didn't take into account is that they were all after AFR. Uh, there are three goad cards yeah. uh, it, that I could fit in here. Uh, Vengeful Ancestor, Karazakar, and Geode Rager, uh, two of which came from uh, Commander decks from AFR, and Geode Ranger just came from uh, uh, Zendikar. Um, yeah, I mean they they do the thing. There's only three of them, so you've uh, four cards total in the deck that goad things. But you know what? It's fine. Right. So then my mind went, okay, this is an ETB. How do I blink it? Do you know how many cards there are that blink things in these four sets? Uh, zero. zero. Uh, in black and red. Uh, so the route I went with that is, uh, for lack of a better term, graveyard recursion. So either things that uh, are life insurance, like Malakir Rebirth, Feign Death, Demonic Gifts. Things that, when it dies, it just immediately comes back. Or things like Agadim's Awakening. Uh, Carter's Vicious Return, which, I mean, I had to put in there. Uh, of course. You know, flavor. Uh, or Incarnation Technique, which is just stuff that takes it from the graveyard, puts it directly on a battlefield. Yeah. Um, uh, those are, the like, the two main pillars of this deck are like, alright, take things out of the graveyard, put it onto the battlefield, or goad things so that your opponent's creatures die and you get a little bit of value. Where I kind of went after that was understanding that, oh, actually, this says whenever an attacking creature dies. So I was like, I I can attack. I can do that. And then if they die, great. I just have to make sure they die during combat, or at least during the combat phase. So found some token makers, because I was like, what's the easiest way to get creatures in this deck while still getting the value of things dying? Yeah. And it's tokens. It's always tokens. Right. At least for me. So I went with Fane... I went with Death Tyrant. Uh, Blight Mound was a really cool idea because not only are uh, the tokens that when they die, I gain life even more. So it kind of like builds on 
Carter's second line. Right. But, uh, you know, Blight Mountain, Sedgemore, which uh, there were a few uh, token makers that, that would give me life eventually. Uh, but then I also went Triplicate Titan because, you know, of course you do because it's a great card. Hey, why not? Uh, colorless and makes tokens kind of, but also really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's a way I can recur that, go for it. Right. Uh, and then I came across Wand of Orcus. And this card's messed up. Uh, have you read this card before? No. Wand of Orcus is two and a black for legendary artifact equipment. Whenever equipped creature attacks or blocks, it and zombies you control gain death touch till end of turn. Already amazing. It's got an equip cost of three, so for six mana you can get it onto the battlefield and onto a creature, or over two turns get it onto something. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, create that many 2-2 black... That many 2-2 black zombie creature tokens. Right, so this doesn't need to be a zombie deck. He makes his own zombies. Yeah, Uh, so you know, you give it any sort of evasion. I mean, it gives itself death touch, so it already disincentivizes your opponents from blocking. Right. Uh, And you get so many zombies. And then, you know, you just attack in, and if they die, you get the triggers off of Carter or they get through and you deal damage so it's a lose-lose for your opponent it's great um, but then I thought to myself what if your opponents don't block and like sure they'll die because of damage Yeah. but you know your deck doesn't do deck Like it, it, it does damage and that's great and you win hooray but if your, if your plan is to have things die and trigger Carter. I figured I need any sort of sacrifice outlets. Uh, which, again, not a lot. Or at least not a lot of great ones. Which led me to realize more that this deck is just a great jumping off point. You know, you fill right. it up with old old staples like Ashnod's Altar and stuff. <clears throat> but, I mean, even so, it, it gave me a lot of ideas for sacrifice outlets just in general. I mean, we've got Immersturm Predator, which, fascinating card. Uh, two black and a red for a 3-3 three, three flyer. Vampire Dragon. Awesome. <laughs> Whenever it uh, becomes tapped, exile up to one target creature from a graveyard. Could be yours, could be your opponent's. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Immersturm Predator. Sacrifice another creature. Immersturm Predator becomes indestructible until end of turn. Tap it. So, you know, facing Wrath, right. easy. Facing literally anything. Easy. Um, But also you get that dies trigger. Uh, As long as you sacrifice during combat still. But yeah. uh, There was a surprisingly low amount of places to just sacrifice things. Um, But I I mean also through removal. You know you can use removal on your own things sometimes. Which can be cool. Uh, So like Eradicator Valkyrie was one of my... uh, interesting cards that i found (laughs) in this whole thing uh that i i really wanted to put a spotlight on it's a it's a mythic from call time it's black black two for a four three flying lifelink hexproof from planeswalkers which you know i haven't really had the experience of needing but it is helpful out there (laughs) uh it's an angel berserker you notice that Berserker comes up again. Oh, yeah. And it's got Boast, which says activate this ability only if the creature attacked this turn and only once each turn. So for one in a black, during combat or after combat, you can 
uh, tap one black and sacrifice a creature. Each opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker. So the idea here is you attack before uh, blockers are declared. You make them sacrifice their creature. And ta-da! Like, <laughs> you can get in. Just another good sack outlet, but also, like, you get value out of... Yeah. There were so many cards after looking through all these that I realized were either from the Forgotten Realms or from Strixhaven that I was just like, oh, wow. Like, a lot... Like, I liked those two sets so much more than I thought I did. Right. If only because of, like, a handful of cards that just really did what I wanted to do in Commander, Mm -hmm. which was, like, use the table as, like, a group rather than four people against each other. Right. I can really see... I understood why you put Reckless Endeavor in. I think that's... That's a very Andy card. <laughs> the idea of I just being love... able to scoop that much treasure and do that much damage uh, to each creature. I mean, yeah. it essentially is wipe the board. Oh, and by the way, here's a big bonus mana so that you can be the first one to get creatures back. Um, yeah, and I love too that like you don't have to choose which die until after you roll it. Um, so you could potentially, you know, uh, roll. A 1 and a 12. Yeah. And then be like, okay, I guess I'll just do 1 damage to everything and make 12 treasure. And, like, maybe nothing dies, but you just made 12 treasure out of 7. Right. Um, so, like, you know, even worst case scenario, I mean, I guess 1 and 12 isn't the worst case scenario, but, um, you know, worst case scenario, it feels like a big goof. And, like, that's hilarious. Right. And, uh, I mean, for Reckless Endeavor, I mean, <laughs> a D12, the average roll on a D12 is 6.5. Right. Well, it costs seven. But you're rolling two dice. Yeah. So you can always, you know, most of the time, you know, according to the averages, you should be, you should half of the time be able to get enough treasure to make up the cost of the card. Yeah. And then or the only, in the very least, you're banking six and, you know, you paid one. Right. Or you're looking to at it get saying, six damage on everything. I'm yeah. probably going to be able to do six, put six damage on everything. And I mean, there are plenty of, I mean, not necessarily this deck, but there are plenty of other decks where uh, that level of damage per creature comes in huge. Like, I can really see Reckless Endeavor working well in a, uh, Angel Song and Sunspeaker deck. Mm. Oh, uh, my. This be, card yeah, gets it's... lifelink and, you know, it, that, that kind of, that kind of craziness. But, yeah, no, I it's really wild. like Reckless Endeavor. I mean, I appreciate that, you know, it's a seven mana sorcery. I, I get that. Mm. But, you know, I still like it. Oh, absolutely. It's it's a great card. But uh I I it was it was tough to not leave the cards uh from Strixhaven and Commander Twenty One and uh the Forgotten Realms decks uh that I that I love. So I, I have a, a little category here called the value is fun. And most of it, most of it, not all of it is playing with your opponent's cards. And, and a lot of them are just like fun, get things for free type stuff. Right. Uh, Bergy, Bergy is here for once to, uh, for that second line creatures you control can boast twice during each of their turns rather than once, you know, uh, we'll we'll get to the berserkers in a bit, but most of them have boast abilities, and so I was like, when I was adding all the berserkers, I was like, I need to put Berkey in this deck, if only so I can actually use her second ability. <laughs> but 
If you're not finding your berserkers, you can always use the backside of Bergy to get some of that impulsive draw out. Right. Uh, and it's great. Th- that card is just phenomenal. Uh, and I cannot believe it's 6 to $7 right now. Yeah. Um, well, Bergy component just goes in just... every red deck, so it's Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Easy. Right? But then my deck was 40 cards, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I added it in some very basic mana rocks because i needed them yeah uh even though this can create some treasure i still needed mana rocks i added it added in some card draw obviously we talked a little bit about uh sacrifice engines so like deadly dispute uh cosmos elixir both lands on the the life gain stuff um oh yeah i didn't even talk about that uh, while I was thinking about pests, I was thinking about life gain matter stuff. Um, so I added in some life gain matter stuff. So like whenever you gain life, because also Carter gains you life. Uh, you know, you've got a, a few cards here and there that that ma- that care about that. Right. Um, they're not f- like amazing that I need to highlight any of them. Uh, but you know, you got Siren of Swarm, which gets plus ones. Uh, Marauding Bright Blight Priest, which. Uh, each opponent loses another life. Um, Essence Pulse, which will ultimately build up, so then you can do a board wipe. Uh, Vein Witch Coven, which is kind of cool. Actually, it's very cool. Uh, whenever you gain life, you may pay a black. If you do, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Um, you know, so if something dies, due to, something dies makes you gain life. You can pay black to get it back. It's really good actually um card draw is just kind of eh it's fine um a lot of stuff that relies on you either sacrificing something or uh losing life in some way right i like the Uh, use of the zephyr boots here um i love i love the idea that you've got a deck that really does want to attack and you're going to put it on a creature that wants to attack so you can draw the card and it offers up some evasion as well so you can uh you know, make it more likely that you're going to draw that card. I, I like that. Oh, absolutely. What I like here, too, is that, like, you can put it on a creature that you want to die. It gets in, it does the damage, and then you sack it to one of your sacrifice outlets, still in combat, and uh, just kind of, like, stack the triggers so that... So you're still getting to you, draw You get the card draw, you get, yeah, whatever kind of uh, death triggers you need. Um but I would say here, uh, a card that I'm fully, fully on board with and have been for a while is Keen Duelist. Um, I know that once I played this card once, I went out and bought a, a playset, um, and I, I'm almost positive I've talked about it on this podcast before. Uh, for one and a black, it's a two-two, uh, and it's a human wizard that essentially. I'm not going to read the text out loud right now because a lot that just feels jumbly. But basically, you and chosen opponent at the beginning of your upkeep uh, reveal a top card and you duel. So it's like you get dealt damage equal to their CMC or mana value, sorry, uh, and vice versa. So, you know, I show a land, you don't get hit. You show uh, Blightsteel Colossus, I get hit for 10. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Is Blightsteel Colossus 10? I don't remember, but I get the idea Whatever of what it we're is. doing. Yeah. And then 
I was very close to being done with that. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I remember cards from Call Time that said the word Berserker or cared about being a Berserker. And you know what Carter is? Is a Berserker. Right. So typed into Scryfall. I was like, uh, I'm looking for things that say Berserker. Uh, and I found a bunch of them. Um, now, because I was dealing with these four sets, uh, I had to add almost all of them. Right. I think there was probably, like, a handful that I didn't because, I mean, they were just like, oh, this is a 3-3 with haste. It's like, cool. Not what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, but kind of going back to Bergy, uh, a lot of these have uh, boast triggers or boast things. Uh, a lot of them, um, Skemfar Avenger... Yeah, Skemfar Avenger, one in a black, a 3-1, whenever another non-token elf or berserker you control dies, you draw a card and lose a life. But, you know, if it's attacking, then you then also gain a life because of Carter. Um, Blood Sky Massacre says uh, on its second chapter, whenever a berserker attacks this turn, you draw a card and lose a life, which is amazing if you've got a lot of berserkers. Right. Um, I've got a couple... Uh, Fearless Liberator makes Berserker tokens as well. Cleaving Reaper is just like a fun little one that uh, you can bring back from the graveyard if you had a Berserker enter the battlefield this turn. Um, Axe Guard Cavalry is just a fun one that just gives things haste. It's it's perfect for a, a two-drop. Um, right. Um, and so I, I kind of rounded the deck off with, with the... The tribal kind of thing going on um the best i could um because i needed creatures badly in a bad bad way i think i still ended up with i ended up with 30 creatures which is kind of where you want it to be but i was at you know 20 creatures at the time right um so witch's clinic is a fascinating little land um it adds colorless which yeah. can be helpful sometimes depending on your deck so, well, one, it adds colorless, which means it can go in any deck. Um, and then for two and tap, so essentially three mana, target commander gains lifelink till end of turn. Right. Now, obviously, this can go so many ways. It's flexible, yes. We, we talk about this all the time. If it doesn't say you control or you own, then yeah, you can help out a buddy if need be. Right. But, like, you know, Carter doesn't have lifelink you just add lifelink whenever you need to um, yeah, so, and it's not necessarily when it attacks right i mean which is clinic uh, this is a card that in theory can go into virtually uh okay every voltron deck can use Witch's clinic the only question is whether mm. or not you can make it work in the mana base um any any commander that that does damage in some kind of way, not necessarily even combat. You know, if you've got a commander that does one point of damage to all creatures on the battlefield, well, uh, then gain life. Then suddenly, if that commander has lifelink, you're gaining a pile of life. This is just such a nice restart with a whole lot of commanders. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, I think it's. Uh, an easy include in a lot of a lot of the decks i mean if i can make the mana base work i'll run it and yen it i'll do all kinds of other options so oh for sure 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like that was kind of really most of the deck and just, it made me realize how much I loved a lot of these sets, um, that I had seen. I mean, I was really invested in Strixhaven. I was really invested in the AFR decks and uh, the, the commander decks and the, the set itself. And I mean, it, it does the thing that I want it to do. It does the magic thing and, uh, adding, Carter at the beginning kind of made me realize that there was a lot from Kaldheim that I had missed that I really loved. And I think, uh, you know, going forward, I could take this deck easily, turn it into some sort of uh, goad deck, because, I mean, since then we've had so much goad being printed, um, and it could easily be like a, a, a fair fun deck yeah i mean we saw a lot of golden commander legends and we're not using any of those cards here so that's uh or i mean sorry uh, legends of all commanders legends legends balder uh the baldur's gate version. yeah yeah so commander legends too but um I, I, yeah i think this is yeah i think you can definitely take it along that route yeah um i'm excited for this deck uh obviously we'll have the deck list in the the show notes um i we're a little we're a little long right now i'm clearly out of practice here so uh we're gonna cut to commercial break and when we get back we're gonna talk about your deck bruce well my deck is monocolored so it'll only take half as long we'll be fine oh really <laughs> uh we'll be right back This episode of Temple of False Pot is brought to you by Witch's Clinic. Come on down to the clinic and we'll get you all fixed up. Don't ask what is in it, just we'll get you fixed up. It's the clinic and we're witches, so Witch's Clinic. Now back to you. We're back, I got some water. I've got the cat somewhere over here. I think he's in that box. Uh, Alright. Feeling good. Turn the AC on getting a little cooler in here yeah bruce how are you feeling about your deck well uh so the commander i chose was Colvori, god of kinship it's uh cost two and two green for a two four legendary creature god and it says as long as you control three or more legendary creatures Colvori gets plus four plus two and has vigilance uh, and then the next ability is spend one in a green and tap it and look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a legendary creature card from among them. Put it into your hand. And then you put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Now, it's a flip card. So on the other side of the card, we have uh, the Ringheart Crest. It costs one and a green. It's a legendary artifact. And it reads, as the Ringheart Crest enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. You can tap it to add green. Spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type or a legendary creature spell. This deck really doesn't have a creature theme, so mm -hmm. you're not you're probably going to be choosing a different creature type based on whatever cards are in your hand. There are probably more elves than anything else in the deck, but honestly, I haven't gone through to take a look. The deck was yeah. primarily there for Colvori. Um, it's you know far less about playing out my uh, an artifact that taps for green that you know I can only use for a handful of the cards in the deck. So I love the idea of playing all these legendary creatures. Not surprisingly, when you're dealing with just these four sets, 
finding mono green legendary creatures was a little more difficult <laughs> than I thought it was going to be. So there aren't nearly as many legendary creatures as I would put in here uh, otherwise. But it was a great place to start. And I went from there and then added in what I thought were enough legendary creatures that I think you will come pretty close to hitting one every six cards, assuming the average is right. Um, yeah. And that's sort of, that's basically how I got started. Now, obviously, once I got through, found all the legendary creatures, looked at, had a general idea of what they do. Uh, and then I started going, extrapolating from there, looking at removal, looking at ramp, uh, looking at some card draw and trying to make it make sense with that theme. Um, and that worked out fairly well, I thought. Um, like I said, when we before we started, a lot of the your standard cards, like the removal or the card draw, quite often you go to your, you know, you've got your go-tos that repeat over and over in your decks because you know them um, and you know how well they work. For this time around, there was no go-to because most of these cards were going to be cards that were new to me. Um, and a lot of them were going to be um, just variations. Like some of them I don't think are as good as you know, obviously not as good as the standard stuff, but there were others in here that I was surprised that were that were that good. And it just sort of went on from there. Yeah, I always love to see Tempting Contract in people's decks. Well, you know I loved any of the cards that do, yeah. do that Tempt thing. Um, invariably, always somebody else that needs it in right. some way. So, uh, you know, sorry, for people who don't know Tempting Contract, it's uh, a four-mana artifact. It says at the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent may, may create a treasure token. For each opponent who does so, you create a treasure token. So ideally, you're getting three treasures per turn. Practically speaking, you're probably getting one. So much of it depends on what the first person does. Yeah. You can convince that first person to take it, then suddenly everybody's looking at it going, I'm not going to get anything. So then... They become much more interested in, in taking yeah the it's definitely one of those cards that like you have to play with a certain meta that just like won't just ruin it like obviously the card's not great um unless people are there to have fun i've right. seen so many times people just like whiff on this card because like nobody is like doing anything you know people are like oh i'm not gonna do that because then you'll get them more and it's just like oh, come on just just play with me. Play play this game, you know? Um, th that's why I love it. Right. And I will say, in a harsher meta than ours, yeah. by the time you can afford to play Tempting Contract, a lot of players just won't give you the benefit. They won't give you that one. Because they've already got a mana base. They can already cast cards because odds are they've already got four lands out as well. Um, a card like this would be way more... I would prefer to see it as something where you get to have it for three turns, but it only costs one mana, because you would get a ton of mana early on. Once I got through the legendary creatures, that's sort of when I hit on Vorinclex, Monstrous Raider. Yeah. And this thing is a beast. Um, for six mana, two of them are green. It's a 6-6 six, six with Trample and Haste. If you would put uh, one or more creatures... Or, sorry, one or more counters on a permanent or player, put twice that many... Uh, of each of those kinds of counters uh, on that permanent or player instead. And if an opponent would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, they put half of that uh, rounded down. When an opponent gets to put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature just because of the ability, no, they get nothing. And when you put one, you get one. You know, I just, I love that. I love that. It's an awesome card. It is. And so much of that pushed me... Uh, to look at a lot of the plus one, plus one counter cards that were available. And, I, I mean, for the most part, most of them fit with the theme of the deck anyway. I'm looking to get a lot of creatures out. And, mm. you know, 
start start applying a bit of a beat down and an extra plus and plus one counter here and there certainly doesn't hurt. So, and I've also got Eliwick Tumblestrum, a planeswalker that costs four, but more importantly, Eliwick starts with four loyalty. Now, Voren clicks says any permanent. So, when Eliwick comes into play, as long as Voren clicks is out, Eliwick comes in with eight loyalty, and uh -oh. Eliwick's ultimate is only seven. So, you can then use the ultimate immediately, and Eliwick is still alive. Vorinclex also says it doesn't say as part of an activation. So when you get like doubling season, you get to double the loyalty on a planeswalker when it when the planeswalker comes in. But you don't double the loyalty every time you when you when you use the plus one ability. You don't get two counters for that. With Vorinclex, you do, because it does not specify. Yikes. So Eliwick would then add two to venture into the and you venture into the dungeon. I Vorinclex is a beast, and uh, like, like I mentioned, yeah, and I mean even Eliwick's uh, emblem says creatures you control have trample and haste and get plus two plus two for each differently named dungeon you've completed, which I mean uh, are three possible dungeons uh, within this confines. Um, but the more emblems you get, it's then you know plus four plus four for each dungeon, plus six plus six, etc. Um, but at the very least, all of your creatures then have Trample and Haste going forward. Right. Which is good. Right. Now, I will say, um, I do have a small dungeon package in the deck. Um, <laughs> Eliwick's part of that. Uh, there's Wandering Troubadour and Varus Silvery Moon Ranger, which I particularly like because you know, whenever you cast a creature or a Planeswalker spell, venture into the dungeon. It can only trigger once per turn, but I mean you are likely casting a creature almost every turn. So you should move through the dungeon pretty quickly. Yeah, um, and that's on cast too, so it's not even like, yeah. it doesn't have to resolve. Right, and I've also added uh, in my land base, because, well, hey, I'm mono green, so I can afford to put in some uh, some lands that don't tap for green. I, I included Dungeon Descent, uh, mm. and... It fits the theme. Spend four, tap an, an untapped legendary creature you control, venture into the dungeon. You can only activate it as a sorcery, but it's a way to get things moving. Um, and if you've got yeah. enough spare mana, you can certainly certainly consider that. It's a way to get things moving, or if you have Varus out, it's a way to like finish a dungeon. Because uh, Varus says once you finish a dungeon, you get a wolf out of it. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones I really got a kick out of was Sword of Hours which is not green, but uh, it's a piece of equipment. It costs two. The equip cost is two. And it says whenever equipped creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So you're not putting the counter on the Sword of Hours. You're putting the hmm. counter on the creature. Uh, whenever the equipped creature deals combat damage, roll a d12. If the result is greater than the damage dealt or the result is 12, double the number of plus one, plus one counters on that creature. Obviously, there's diminishing returns, but at an equip cost of two, it is very easy to move it from just from one one creature to another. You know, I'll take my chances with you know, you know, with with creatures that are coming in with one plus one plus one counter. I mean, okay, fine. So, it, you know, yeah. The other one that, um, as far as the plus one plus one counter theme in the deck, uh, Paradox Zone. Oh. Uh, it's an enchantment. It costs five. One of them has to be green. Now, it says Paradox Zone enters the battlefield with a growth counter. Unless Vorinclex is out, in which case it enters the battlefield with two counters. You see where I'm going to go with this. Mm. At the beginning of your end step, 
double the number of growth counters on Paradox Zone, and then double it again, because that's what's happening here. Then create a 0, 0 green and blue fractal creature token. Put X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the number of growth counters on Paradox Zone. So if Vorinclex is out, you play Paradox Zone, you put two growth counters on it. At the beginning of your end step, you double that. So put two more. To four. But you're not putting yeah. two, you're putting four. So now you've got six so tokens. Six. Then you put out your, your fractal token and you put six, no wait, double that, it's 12. So Jeez. your five For mana five paradox mana. zone with Vorinclex out gets you a, what did we just say? 12 12? 12 12. Gets yeah. you a 12 12. I mean. And that's if it's only out for a turn. Right. That's one turn. Because on the next turn, you're going to put another growth counter on it. Or two, if Vorinclex is still out. And you can see where this goes. So now it's eight. Now it's yeah, eight. And then... and then you double it, right? So uh, double yeah. the eight. Uh, no, you, you, it's six, and then it doubles twice. So it's 12, 24. So you have a 48, 48 out right. next turn. Now, this is with Vorinclex. And, and I appreciate that in a deck like this one, where Vorinclex is the only creature that can do this, it's the only permanent that can make, that can do the doubling, this is a magical Christmas land scenario, because I've just described having Vorinclex and Paradox zone out for two or three turns. <laughs> However, Paradox, I mean, you can run Paradox zone with doubling season with in, in your deck that has multiple ways to double counters. And mm -hmm. it's just, I mean... This could be ridiculous. Uh, I can see Paradox Zone even going into uh, one of my ancient decks. I've got Vorel of the Hullclade that still exists. Um, you know, these are, this thing is ridiculous. Um, and I appreciate that, you know, these are not, these are not legendary fractals that uh, Paradox Zone itself does not really uh, work with Colvori in any sort of special way. But, I mean, yeah. This is just crazy, and in a meta that allows this sort of thing to get out of control, it, well, <laughs> it's wild. So I really got a kick out of that. A lot, you know, there's only so many legendary creatures in this particular group. So Kulvari is a little bit limiting, but once, once Kulvari is out, you just tap it and just do it. The card goes into your hand, so save two mana for your last opponent's end step. Do it then. Go through the next six cards. Pick out a legendary creature. Hopefully you'll get one. It goes in your hand. The rest go on the bottom, and you just keep going. It's just a bonus. Mm. And as long as you treat it as a bonus card draw that's going to work, I don't know, four out of five times that you do it, <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with that. So Right? Yeah. Um, the other card I put in the deck that isn't green that I wanted to talk a little bit about was Lithoform Engine. I'm not going to go crazy on this. Uh, it has a number of abilities. Most of them involve copying an activated ability, an instant of sorcery, or a permanent. Um, and again, with this deck, that works out really well. With other decks, this thing is just nuts. And you can tell from its, uh, what is it, $11 price tag um, that... I am hardly the first person to be telling anybody this. <laughs> so, um, but it's just, again, it's something to, something to keep in mind. I get a real kick out of this. Do remember, though, uh, if you're copying target permanent spell you, you control, 
don't copy your legendary creatures. This does not make the copy yeah. non-legendary. It is a copy, so you will lose it immediately. Um, but I've seen this. Yeah, I've seen this card work on Arena a bunch. And another thing to keep in mind as well is to make sure that you use it while the spell is still in the stack, because yeah. not you're not copying target permanents. You're copying target permanent spells. Yeah. Um, I mean, or you know, whatever. Um, so you can't once it's on the once it's on the battlefield, you're not copying it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I it's it's a fascinating card. <laughs> um, I think the last the last one I want to go over is uh, another card which you know again you can tell my fascination with the with the doubling uh, exponential growth. Um, it's a sorcery. It costs X X green green, and it says until the until end of turn. Double target creature's power X times. If X is 1, in other words, if this spell costs 4 mana, you're doubling the target creature's power 1 time. So for 4 mana, you're doubling a creature's power. Okay. But for 6, you're doubling it twice. Just take a 2-2. Two, two. If doubling it twice brings it to a 4-4 four, four and an 8-8. Eight, eight. So for 6 mana, you're turning your 2-2 two, two into an 8-8. Eight, eight. Surely you've got at least a 4-4 creature out here when, <laughs> when you're doing this. You're probably going after a 6-6 creature. In which yeah. case, you know, you're doubling it twice. Well, okay, now you've got a 24-24. And that's for 6 mana. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't even count as exponential growth. Why not play it for 8? Because yeah. this, is, this is where we're going with this. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that you're going to get 10 and 12. And I mean, there are times when that will happen, and that's great. But, I mean, I don't think spending 6 mana or 8 mana on this card is too out of the realm of possibility. And when you hit that double for the third time, uh, I mean, all, anything gets, you know, even your 2-2 creature, which goes from a 4-4 to an 8-8 to a 16-16, even a 2-2 creature getting doubled three times gets crazy. So... Uh, the card that I that caught my eye yeah. in this deck uh, that I hadn't heard of was Inspiring Call. Inspiring Call may be old, but it's still oh, is great. it old? Yeah, it's from T- Tarkir. Oh no! It's all good. Sorry, folks. Um, it was it was in within this this set of time. It was uh, printed in Zendikar Rising Commander. Ah, uh, okay. Um, Inspiring Call. It, the fact that it's still. Caught, caught me by surprise as like a card that I feel like I haven't heard too much about um, especially in this deck it means something it's like a really cool card for right. two and a green it's an instant draw card for each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it those creatures gain indestructible till end of turn um, this deck I mean you know for three mana you can draw six cards seven cards easy um, yeah. if you're doing the plus one plus one counter thing uh, it's fascinating, right? And it gives them the indestructible, so you can use it on oh, your yeah, opponent's yeah. turn. You can use it on your turn. You can use it as a surprise for combat, and you get to draw a pile of cards. Uh, it's sort of all kinds of crazy. So, yeah, yeah the indestructible really uh, kind of gets you out of nowhere. It's it's surprising. It's helpful. It does. Um, it can be uh, defensive or offensive, um, and it's it's. I've it's very flexible offensive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's great to be offensive when you're just going in for 
massive amounts and you don't want to lose those big creatures right um but i mean for three mana you rarely get that much value out of green instance <laughs> um um and in case you were wondering folks yes old gnawbone is in the deck uh, uh i mean yes. it's green yeah you don't get a lot of flyers, so I take them when, when I can get them. Uh, a legendary dragon for seven. Two of them are green. Uh, it's a seven-seven. It's a flyer. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, create that many treasure tokens. Uh, in this deck, I'm not sure how good this is, just because there's no way to really abuse this, especially when you're that late in the game. I mean, you already have seven mana um so if i can get through and hit my hit with my creatures for 10 i get 10 treasures other than being able to cast another spell it doesn't create that situation where it's like ooh. I, other than you know i mean i guess you could flood it onto exponential growth but uh you know then you're going to want to sit on those treasures until the next turn so you can cast the exponential growth before combat but um you know. Yeah, you've got a handful of like X spells in here that could really use that help. Um, right, and I do and have I mean, a lot like, of expensive cards too. That are, I mean, a lot of high mana value cards. So, yeah, you know, triplicate titan. Yes, uh, but I think it's uh, for me. It goes in any green deck that you can afford to put it in. Uh, but I just love that treasure. Yeah. Well, and who doesn't? And I will take uh, all kinds of ramp. I will say that the ramp in this deck obviously was far less about artifacts. There's a couple of ways to get treasure, but um, it really focused a lot more on... I, I mean, I tried to focus it on getting lands. Um, Bounty mm -hmm. of Skemfar, I really like the idea of that. Uh, for three mana, uh, reveal the top six cards of your library. You can put a land from among them onto the battlefield tapped and an elf card from among them into your hand. Um, put the rest on the bottom in a random order but it says any land so in this deck it's likely you're just going to be a basic um, but in a lot of other decks especially two color decks where you're running a lot of non-basics you're getting that card into play tapped now i know it's tapped but um, i still like that i think that's great um, but then i've got circle of circle of dreams druid add green for each creature you control uh, find the path the Enchanted Land has tap for two green. There it is. Jas Jasper Sentinel. It's one mana for an Elf Rogue with Reach. It's a one-two creature. I don't care about any of that. Tap. Uh, <laughs> tap and tap an untapped creature you control. Add one mana of any color. Um, it just... I love the idea that you can... You know, that this will allow you to ramp into other colors. Less... You know, a little less exciting for this deck, but... Um, it does add the mana, so uh, I, you know, I'm all for that. So, um, and then the other one I thought was interesting was Roiling Regrowth. Sack a land, search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, tap, then shuffle your library. Um, it's very similar to Harrow, and uh, I've, I've always liked Harrow. I think the difference with Harrow is I think they come into play untapped, but I could be wrong. Yeah, with Harold they come into play untapped. Um, but honestly, I'll take that. Um, for you know, I'm getting the extra. I'm getting the extra land, um, and it, 
you know, and it works, it works out fairly well. So um, I'll, I'll still do that. I mean, you're playing it at instant speed, so you're probably playing it on, on your opponent's end step, in which case you're just going to get them back untapped anyway. So it's fine. Yeah. Uh, Andy, I don't have a lot more. What? I say I don't have a lot more to, a lot more to add in. Um, I mean, I think some of these are, uh, you know, our audience can easily can easily go through this and, and see a couple of crazy ones. Um, there's the Belt of Giant Strength, which I got a kick out of. Uh, equipped creature has a base power and toughness 10-10. The equip cost, though, is 10. <laughs> <laughs> this ability costs X less to activate, where X is the power of the creature it targets. Oh, okay. So, like, it's the difference to make it up to 10. Um, right. So if you've already cool. got a seven-seven creature, it only costs three, and now you have a ten-ten. Mm. So, um, uh, you know, you you take that for what it's worth. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, with plus one plus one counters, that's always good, you know. Right, and I um, look at you know when you look at some of the fractals. Mm. So if I can get a twelve-twelve fractal, then the equip cost is zero. But then the base becomes a ten-ten. And all of the fractals, power, and toughness is in the plus one, plus one counters. So it would get all of them. So if you've got a fractal yeah. that's a 12-12, it's now a 22-22. It's just straight 10-10 bonus. So I think, uh, yeah, I think along the same lines, too. Um, I mean, in terms of it being uh, a Strixhaven commander card, uh, Pest Infestation, I love. It's one X, uh, it's green XX. Uh, destroy up to X target artifacts and or enchantments, which, I mean, everybody always needs to be playing more enchantment removal anyway. Right. Um, and obviously now with with uh, treasures being so prevalent, uh, artifact removal is always good. Uh, destroy up to X target artifacts or, and or enchantments. Create twice X 1-1 one, one black and green pest creature tokens with when this creature dies, you gain one life. Right. Um, it helps with the go-wide strategy. It helps clear out you know treasures it helps clear out certain enchantments that may be pesky um i love this card uh and i wish it was an instant but can't always win right <laughs> so but yeah i um, think uh, yeah it was it was fun and i got to i got a, like i said i got a chance to look at a, hand, a lot of cards that i have not seen um and you know added added a whole bunch of things to my uh uh, to my cart for, yeah. for for the next purchase. So yeah, I love I love this time of year for that reason to just kind of go through what's rotating out, seeing like what's starting to get less attention, um, and understanding kind of where things can kind of fall into place. It's 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 kind of like the opposite issue of of or not necessarily the opposite issue, but it's it's an inverse issue of. Uh, how fast we're getting product is yeah. uh, once kind of standard rotates through. And obviously Commander's the, the biggest format, but um, I think it's still something to take a look at or at least give you a reason to look at some of these cards that either are getting forgotten about or uh, kind of understanding where everything kind of fits in in terms of synergies. Right. Um, but I, I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, I, it, 
I was surprised to see how many AFR cards and how many Strixhaven cards uh, I I took and found and used uh, in my deck. Right. Um, but I think it it really kind of gives me hope in terms of the way that they're they're starting or not necessarily starting the way that they're bringing the commander product and format in general uh, how they're designing around uh, big plays with big costs rather than uh, trying to make everything so neat right um, but yeah um, that's that's all I got all yeah. right. Well, Andy, I think um, we can probably wrap this one up because I, I, we've left you with a rough editing job for this one. So we'll we'll quickly wrap this one up. But uh, you know, we are taking the next two weeks off of regular episodes. Um, I presume we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, if if my calculations are correct, today's the twenty eighth. We will be back with regular episodes on the nineteenth of October. Um, we'll be back with uh, cool things about the Unfinity stuff, uh, maybe, if we like it. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Oh, man, I uh, can't but, wait. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, we'll have some short episodes for you. Um, so thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Um, if you want to see our deck lists, they'll be in the, the show notes. If you want to send us your own deck lists for this challenge, we would love to see them. Um, share this with your friends, share this with your family if they like magic they'll love us because, you know, we're just a couple of cool guys just hanging out, talking about magic um, yeah, it's been a been a great season um, I am excited to see what we have planned next which is to say I am excited to plan what we <laughs> will plan next uh, but that's going to do it for us this week at Temple of Falsebud, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, have a great night, and may your fifth land be the Temple. Bye! Wait, wait. Before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at Mana Burned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!